This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. I took a turn. Very nicely done. Was not prepared for it. And I only got like the last third of it on recording. Oh, oh gee, dang it. Well, the joke is that you're a whore. <laughs> Thanks for clarifying. It's episode, what episode is this? 120 of I'm Sorry What the Podcast. I'm Christina. That's Amanda. Hey. 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 Ew. And I don't know. I don't like I'm that. I'm sorry for, sorry for that. Um, hi, how's it going? I'm good. How are you? I am great. We celebrated Christmas. Chris, the kids, and I this weekend because it's when they could come. Mm-hmm. That's what Chris got me. What did he get you? A lightsaber? Nice. He got you the evil one. Oh, and the- it changes to any of the kinds you want, including the white one. Ooh. And it does the noise. So when you're like fighting, does it? <laughs> when you're going to LARP in the park ready? in Iowa, you can. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> oh, I didn't hear anything. That's why. Oh, I was it like- did. like a power down (laughs) i think it's cool it's amazing especially for all your larping expeditions you're gonna go on you know what i totally would i stood on our deck and i pretended i was a jedi for a good like half an hour (laughs) so i'm not sorry (laughs) not not to toot my own horn but i'm pretty fucking good at it not to toot my own horn but toot toot motherfucker toot toot motherfucker What's up with you? How was your Christmas stuff this weekend? It was fine. My brother was kind of a grouch. My brother was a Krampus at um, the Yuletide Village. He was like, it's cold. And I'm like, you've been in Ohio too long. It is 40 degrees. It is not cold. Okay. I'm walking around here with a sweatshirt, no hat, no gloves on, and I'm fucking balmy. Okay. All All I'm saying is I was practicing being a Jedi with no shoes on at night. I'm just saying you're fine (laughs) it's not cold and so we took her to see Santa and then we took her to the petting zoo and then he's like I'm ready to leave we're all leaving and I'm like okay I mean we were there for like an hour before he got there so we were there for like two and a half hours it was fine right but I was like you're grouchy you're a big old grump you're a big old grump and then we made cookies and I got her all hopped up on sugar and sent her home to her parents so So, you know, there was that. Go have fun with that. Um, And then I leave to go visit my sister next in a week. So I'm Mm -hmm. very excited for that. But Mm -hmm. other than that, that's it. So I got. 
all I got. We're going to be recording a couple of the next couple episodes in advance. So be prepared for not a lot of chatter in the beginning. <laughs> yeah, because we just talked to each other. Like, we don't got a lot of updates. I don't have anything um, for you. I don't have anything for you. So, sorry, friends. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, what was I going uh, Oh, this is the episode that is coming out just before Christmas. It is. So on. I dumped my can of water. God damn it. Uh, you're the most you're the most special human I've ever met. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas <laughs> to all. And to all a Merry Christmas. Happy and... Yule Tide, you savages. Yeah, you savages. That's all I got. I don't oh, got anything else. Me neither. You want to tell me a story? Sure. I don't even remember what the story's about. So we're all gonna learn together. Woo! Um, no, this really... is what happens when we have to record multiples in advance because we have to do our research so early so that we get all of them done. I really don't fucking remember what this case is about. All right, well, <laughs> let's go on this journey together. Uh, I'm going to tell you, did she die in this? <laughs> Dude, did you even read it? Of course I read it. I did it like three days ago and there's been a lot in my brain today. Um, I'm going to tell you about the murder of... Um, 20 year old amanda toosing okay so are you sure i'm positive her mother's <laughs> okay. name is also susan oh susan susan okay so amanda was 20 years old and had recently gotten engaged to her longtime boyfriend matthew Irvin, and hoped to become a veterinarian okay so she had visited her fiance matthew on the evening of june 14th in 2000 it was raining heavily at about 11.30 p.m. when she said she was going to drive back to her parents' house in Dell. Uh, Matthew tried to persuade her not to go out in the storm just because it was really bad weather and he wanted her to just stay at his house. But she was like, it's only a 40-minute drive. I have to be up early in the morning. Like, mm-hmm. I just, I'd rather stay at home and get up early to go to work. So, but she promised she would call him as soon as she got home. But when 1.30 came a... 1 30 a.m came and went he called her parents because uh-huh. it was only a 40 minute drive and even with bad weather you give it an hour that's two hours that it took uh-huh. and he just wanted to make sure she had got home he called her parents thinking maybe she went home and went to sleep and just totally forgot to call him right um neither her mother or father had heard from her so her father ed told matthew he was going to get in his car and look for her and matthew should leave from his apartment and do the same and they would meet halfway looking for amanda taking like the most direct route that they knew she always took right okay makes sense so along the side of arkansas highway 18 the two men found amanda's 1992 pontiac grand am it was underneath a streetlight with the keys still in the ignition and the windshield wiper stopped mid-cycle. Her wallet lay open on the passenger seat and her Coke, which was still cold with ice in it, sat in the cup holder on the dash. So it's like the engine was shut off and someone took off in a hurry, basically. Yes. Like, like she left in a hurry. Yes. Okay. So they called the police who immediately dispatched officers and started to search for Amanda. The search lasted for four days until Father's Day of, oh, now I remember, okay, of June 18th, 2000, uh, in Big, so they found her face down in Big Bay Ditch, just north of Lake City, Arkansas, off the same highway. 
Um, they were about 12 miles west of the car, despite the fact that she was driving east. So they okay. were, she was 12 miles going the wrong direction. Away, okay. And she was found face down in a waterlogged ditch. So she clearly was driven that far because that's a long way. Yeah. So an autopsy revealed that there was water in her nostrils, but not her lungs and no injuries other than a small bruise to the back of her head. Although police suspected she had been suffocated, the death was officially ruled a homicide by drowning. By drowning? Even with it not being in the lungs? Mm-hmm. Okay. There were no signs of sexual assault. However, investigators believe she was dead before ending up in Big Bay Ditch as water was found in her nasal passages, but not in her lungs. Right. Uh, those that believe she died before ending up in the water believe she was suffocated, not drowned. So it's right. been, it's basically kind of a, they There's, said she died because she stopped breathing, <laughs> but there right. was. There's two different sides of people's mm-hmm. beliefs. Okay. Yes. Uh, the investigation into her death was opened and led by Sheriff Jack McCann a veteran and veteran officer Gary Etter. Uh, with a massive rains the night of her murder, there was literally no physical evidence mm-hmm. um, on her body, around her body, around the car. They had nothing to go on. Yeah, everything got washed away. Uh, Irvin was questioned at the time, but her fiance, but was cleared after passing three polygraph tests. Uh, There was a lot of frustration, understandably, as there were no physical evidence and no motives or suspects. In 2007, an anonymous individual came to the sheriff department and reported conversation they heard that pertained to the murder of Amanda Tusing. Etter, the investigator, believed that talking with unknown or with known criminals would open the case up as he believes criminals talk to each other and the killer could have talked to somebody, but nothing came of any of those leads. Uh. Susan Tusing, Amanda's mother, however, thinks differently. She believes and is strongly believes that her third, in her theory, Tusing's car was their best clue to what happened to her. She believes that it was a member of law enforcement or someone pretending to be an officer uh, that was the perpetrator because she had always told Amanda when she was driving at night if they were someone was going to pull her over to continue driving until she is surrounded by lights or people and then pull over and her car was found parked directly under a street light in front of a big row of houses oh so okay so when investigators were asked in 2003 if evidence if any of the evidence that came um, with the names brought to them ruled out or implicated any members of law enforcement The answer given was that they were almost certain the murderer is not an officer, but they had not dismissed the thought entirely. Okay. So they they weren't just like blowing it off at least. Right. They asked for the FBI's help and they gave a profile that suggested the perpetrator would be a man in his 50s who lived in the vicinity and did not rule out a police officer. Okay. As of 2020, the murder of Amanda Tusing has not been solved. Suspects have not been named, little evidence has been found, and her official cause of death has been placed as drowning. He was cl- or Her fiancé was cleared back in 2000 and has not been brought back in as a suspect. The Tusing family has not gotten any answers in the 20 years since she had died. They have laid her to rest, but they have not been given any answers. Here's the weird link. All right. 
11 years before Amanda was murdered, Dana Steidham was a recent graduate, although of high school instead of college. She had brown hair and was five feet and two inches tall, very close to Amanda's height. And she had brown hair as well. She lived in the Arkansas town of Centerton with her brother, Larry, and was considering enrolling in the University of Arkansas in 1989. On July 25th, she visited her parents' house to find her father, Larry, sick with stomach pains. He asked her if she would go pick him up some medicine from a nearby store. And that was the last time she was seen alive was at the gas station, followed by the Phillips Food Center at 3.17 p.m. When she still wasn't back by the time his wife came home from work, Larry called the police. Dana's 1984 Dodge Omni was found abandoned opposite Wellington Road with uh, very chilling similarities to the Mandy's case. The keys were still in the ignition. The driver's side window was down. Her purse was missing, but there was no sign of a struggle. Two months later, her remains were located in a dried up creek bed close to the Arkansas-Missouri border at Bella Vista. Uh, She was face down, but due to decomposition, investigators could not determine how she had died or if she had been sexually assaulted. Okay. Benton County sheriffs have always believed that her, a former schoolmate of Dana's, was the prime suspect in her murder, but have not been able to prove it. It's a local man named Michael Earl McMillian. His truck was searched and processed by the Arkansas Crime Lab and in hoping of finding some evidence linking him to Dana, but they there were hair samples that loosely matched Dana's, but they couldn't confirm. Um, May I just say, what a name. <laughs> Michael Earl McMillian? <laughs> yes. Or McMillan, right. maybe? McMillan, maybe? Okay. okay. Either way, wow. <laughs> so... Basically, an attorney was able to successfully argue that they could not conclusively link them to the victim and they had nothing else tying him to her. So nothing came of that case either. So you fast forward 11 years after Amanda's murder to October of 2011, when 20-year-old Patricia Patty Gordado, uh, who was a, a student at University of Arkansas at Little Rock, Like Mandy and Dana, she was also dark-haired, pretty, and petite. At 8.30 on the morning of October 11th, she left her family home to go to classes, parking across the street from her building. Patty didn't make it to class or to the afternoon shift at her part-time job afterwards. Uh, By 7 p.m. came around and her mother uh, still hadn't heard from her. She called the police and drove around to look for her daughter herself. They found Patty's burgundy vehicle in the parking lot of a Burger King. Four days later, Patty herself was found dead in a lake off Highway 65 in Sweet Home. She had been murdered and dumped in the former granite quarry. Her purse, cell phone, backpack, and keys were missing from her vehicle and have never been recovered. There's no information as to whether Patty Wellington got into another car with someone or if her murder forcibly took her. So although they were never officially linked, these three murder cases bear the same resemblance to each other. All took place in Arkansas, all involved petite, dark-haired young women. They all disappeared, and they all three disappearances happened 11 years apart each time, and all of the bodies were dumped in shallow water or somewhere how linked to water. So there's been discussion as to whether or not there's an unknown or unnamed serial killer traveling in or living in Arkansas. Huh, Interesting. It's, I can see why they wouldn't have linked them just because they are as far apart as they are. And like, there are just some differences to where you're like, I mean, it's enough to question, but it's also enough to go, what the fuck? Yeah, like, 
the physical similarities. Mm-hmm. The that's, fact that they're all found thing. face down in a body of water. Mm-hmm. None of them are sexually assaulted. As far as they can tell, because yeah. the one girl was too decomposed to know. Yeah. But interesting. Huh. Huh. Sad. I, yeah. I mean, holy shnikes. It's yeah. a small area. Three mm-hmm. things happen like that. But man, good job. Thank you. Very thought inducing. I'm intrigued. Yeah. I want to know more. I want to know more. Okay. <laughs> I don't have I don't have anything more to tell you. Tell though. me. Um, could you just like tell me more, please? <laughs> I, I don't have anything more. <laughs> I can. All right. Hey, you gonna tell me part two of your depressing and sad yeah. story? Are you ready? No, absolutely not. Oh, okay. Well, it's gonna happen anyway. Uh so left off. They had just had their third child correct that's where I left off they had Sarah Sarah, the girl and they brought her home and she was healthy brought her home everything seemed normal so remember they had received that sleep apnea mat from the experts to register whether or not the baby was breathing while they were sleeping and it would go off with an alarm if they weren't right correct Turns out this was very unreliable. They had a lot of issues with it going off like throughout the night. Oh, and just causing like instant panic. Um, yeah, and the this made Sarah not a very good sleeper. Uh, so then she was up all the time, which means Kathy was up all, all the, time. the time. Yeah. Um, so this was making making Kathy extra stressed on top of her what we what we I think have decided is like a postpartum depression issue as well um she was also getting stressed for the lack of sleep because remember Craig doesn't really wake up over things that aren't like loud loud like she had to scream to get him to wake up when the other babies were not breathing right um and she had basically told him like hey I need to get like a weekend job or something so I can get out of the house for a little bit because I'm losing my mind you know Mm -hmm. and he said yeah that you know that's totally fine so she got a job at baby co which I'm assuming is like a baby store Mm -hmm. um on the weekends things still seemed very like tightly wound at the house everybody was kind of stressed out and Kathy still seemed quite aggressive Um, even with this like time away and being able to get out of the house and stuff. Uh, Craig started his new, a new job that was an hour away. So on top of a full day of work, he had two hours worth of commute every day. Mm. So this left her, uh, yeah, left Kathy there alone by herself for at least 10, if not 11 hours a day. Plus Um, taking care of the baby at night. mm -hmm. They were just arguing all the time. Anytime Mm -hmm. he was home, there was conflict and it didn't seem to get any better. So on, on August 29th of 1993, Sarah, who was 10 months old, Sarah was 10 months old at this time. Okay. That's what I meant to say. Uh, the family went to the beach and once they got home, Sarah was all wound up from being at the beach. It was like night, it was bedtime Mm -hmm. and she just was refusing to go to sleep. Kathy kind of lost her temper and was like screaming at the baby and some of the articles I read said that um Craig heard her screaming and spanking the baby 10 months old Mm. so Craig ran into the room stopped her took Sarah brought her to the chair in the living room and just like rocked her until she was calm until she fell asleep 
like with him so that she, he could lay her down right yeah and uh, obviously at that point Kathy went and laid down herself and just took a break away from everything um, mm-hmm. this was uh, about 11 o'clock is when she fell asleep and Craig walked her into her room and laid her down in her crib officially okay uh, they uh, had continued using the alarm mat or had discontinued using the alarm mat because at 10 months well it's technically I think like eight months or seven mm-hmm. months the SIDS the SIDS like cases drop immensely right and so the babies can lift their heads and can move a little mm-hmm, bit can roll stronger and stuff. yeah um so the doctors had given them the okay to stop using it because it was going off and causing all these issues and stuff so on top of like their likelihood of having a problem and that they're like yeah you know what it's fine just discontinue using it she should be just fine anyway so they stopped using it after Craig put Sarah down to bed he went to bed too uh he says that he woke up to find that Kathy was up and in Sarah's room and he could tell because the light was on and he thought this was weird but he assumed that she had woken up to feed her or Mm -hmm. something or she had cried but he had just like woken up out of a dead sleep and saw that the light was on and then was awake for a few more minutes and she was still in there and then he like started falling back asleep and he said as soon as he had fallen asleep it felt like he heard Kathy screaming for him so this is pretty much I mean I don't want to say the same thing but pretty much the same thing as the other stories Mm -hmm. he ran into the room picked up Sarah who was limp when he picked her up Mm. um he attempted CPR and the ambulance was called and they arrived within six minutes like they were there Mm -hmm. really fast within six minutes and Sarah had passed away minutes after they got there so they attempted to resuscitate her and then they were they found no vitals so she passed away when the ambulance got there Mm. the police questioned the parents and Kathy didn't tell them a lot of details just the normal stuff where she went in to check on her she wasn't breathing you know that sort of thing um but it didn't match what Craig remembers because he specifically says that he remembers waking up with Kathy in Sarah's room and she had been in there for multiple minutes before she hollered for him Mm -hmm. so he was like I don't think that's exactly what happened or you I don't know what you were doing but Right. You were in there longer than walking in to check on her and finding her not breathing. Uh, mm-hmm. The medical examina- examination found um, nothing out of the ordinary with Sarah. Again, there were, well, it was signs of an asphyxiation of some sort, but they weren't sure how. Um, there were two puncture marks on her face, which could have been caused by the resuscitation attempts. Mm-hmm. And then her uvula, you know, the hang down, mm-hmm. um, had some irritation and like a lesion on it which again could have been caused by resuscitation attempts right so they're like okay well it's another SIDS death I guess because there's no reason for it mm-hmm. um Craig once again was super concerned and wanted to talk to Kathy but she again refused which kind of leads me to think that she had um what is it called there's some like coping mechanism where it's like the flea mechanism where you mm-hmm. just pretend that it didn't happen right just so you can cope so that's what makes it makes me think of because she just does she can't talk about it afterwards <laughs> but Craig w- couldn't imagine losing Kathy after this so he didn't want to s- 
like push the subject she's like I already lost how many kids and I don't want to lose her too this is number four right this would be number three okay because they have Sarah later on or not Sarah Laura later on uh so they moved a few times after this and they were on and off they kind of broke up here and there Mm -hmm. but always ended up getting back together uh Kathy told Craig that he needed to get over his grief or he'd leave her she'd leave him for good in 1995 and she did she moved out into her own house in Newcastle so she had left him at that point Mm -hmm. um she still partied still was started becoming obsessed with like losing weight and her physical appearance which I mean also kind of makes sense because if she broke up with him and she's looking to maybe date at some Mm -hmm. point it might be just for her own confidence level you know what I mean yeah uh and Craig seemed to just stop in time once again his grief just kind of broke him like he couldn't get past these things and I don't blame him I think I'd probably be the same way I'd have Mm -hmm. a really hard time going on afterwards um the two did end up getting back together this is so it's such a like back and forth relationship Mm -hmm. um and Craig and Kathy bought a house in Singleton so they officially bought a house and it was a big like dream home for them that they've always talked about getting uh then in 1996 Kathy told Craig that she was ready and she wanted to have another baby yeah can you imagine though like how mm-hmm. Craig probably feels at this it's like I can't go through that again like it just keeps no. happening no eventually he agreed mm-hmm. and he said that his reasoning was that they both seemed like they were in a much more stable and mature place they weren't arguing as much they weren't you know he's like it just feels like it's the right time mm-hmm. again so we'll give it a go okay so about this and she wrote in her diary about this um she said that this time that she knew she could have a baby oh that she could hand the baby off if she didn't want to lose control like last time quotes what does this mean Kathy Mm -hmm. um and that she had learned her lesson Mm. so uh, this is why the diary is such a damning thing later mm-hmm. on because don't there's keep so many, a diary <laughs> well, there's just so many things that she writes in there that could be taken one way or another right. and she could be talking about losing control like when she spanked the baby and was like mm-hmm. that night and be talking mm-hmm. about how that was the last interaction she had with the baby and then the baby exactly. died or well, that's she could be talking about how she lost her temper and she smothered the baby to death mm-hmm. like well and that's kind of where later on during the like trial and stuff she goes I was just speaking in general as a mother I felt like a failure all of my kids had died and mm-hmm. I don't know why and I couldn't stop it and you know like yeah she goes there's a lot of emotions that came with all of that and that's the only place that she would let her emotions out were was her mm-hmm. diary so she has, I mean, I can see where it can be taken either way. Um, August 7th, 1997, Laura Fulbig was born. Um, she was healthy and stable. Uh, preemptively, though, they brought her to some specialists to get tests to make sure that all was well. There was no issues with, like, her larynx or anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, they thought that maybe it was something to do with genetics between the two, the couple, because um, it had happened every single time. 
So I thought maybe there was some sort of like terrible mix that they made. So they just mm-hmm. wanted to make sure things were okay and she was healthy and they had did know that they did everything they could have to mm-hmm. prevent anything. They both went and did learned proper infant CPR. They did like the first aid CPR classes. Uh, they also received an, an electronic choromedics monitor. <laughs> Basically, it just monitored her breath and her heart rate. And mm-hmm. it's an actual monitor. It's not just the mat that you laid on. Uh, the deal with that was that the parents, they got this from the hospital and they were supposed to record all the details of what it says and give it to the hospital weekly so they can monitor to see if there's any differences that they need to be aware of. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this made them feel much more secure with Laura than they had with any of the other one. I mean, obviously other than their first one, but any of mm-hmm. their other kids, because they felt like they had this like safety net. Mm-hmm. Whenever Laura's monitor went off, Kathy would check the readings and all seemed okay. Um, she'd record everything. It seemed like, and it said in her diary too, it seemed like she was much more motherly to Laura too. Well, and how far after, like, I I can't remember. So how far after Sarah's death was Laura born? Sarah was born in, on October 14th, 1992, and she died at 10 months. So Laura was born on, in 97. So about three, four years. So that's enough time for postpartum to kind of subside. The other three were kind of like quick every two years or so where you could still technically be with the postpartum hormones because it takes like 10 to 11 months to get those hormones kind of regulated. And then if you get pregnant right away, they might not have regulated all the way. And now you've got Mm -hmm. pregnancy hormones, postpartum hormones, and then you have postpartum hormones again flowing through you. Right. So So, to wait five or six years and then try again, she may be a little bit more stable mentally mm -hmm. at this point. Well, and I think because, I mean, I'm not sure how old they were. Yeah, I'm not sure how old they were. I think she was also just mature. In yeah. comparison as well mm-hmm. but she had written in her diary scary feelings I realized that I actually love her and have bonded with her wish to protect her etc maternal instincts is what they call it I now know I never had it with any of the others so I oh it's po- that's postpartum that's, exactly that's, well, like that's like textbook book postpartum is not feeling connected to your child uh, anyway so like I said she clearly didn't bond with any of the other ones and she mm-hmm. she made it clear in her diary she also wrote I wouldn't have handled another one like Sarah she saved her life by being different like talking about Laura so that's mm-hmm. also another like, oh, damning quote yeah um but again she says that it's she's like I was just talking in general like mm-hmm. by not being sick not getting sick not dying Mm -hmm. not whatever she saved her life and I'm like I don't know that's a little that's harder to harder to believe but yeah anyhow um uh, not too long though Kathy was restless again being Mm -hmm. a mother um she wrote about how she would yell at Laura and at one point she said she almost purposely dropped her she wrote that in her diary 
Craig also wasn't safe from her anger. She would again just like yell at him and get mad at him for no reason. Craig was super excited when Laura hit her first birthday mm-hmm. because none of their other kids had gotten to that point. Yeah. It was like 19 days, nine months, and 10 months. Mm-hmm. So he was super jazzed about that. The two had a huge party with family and friends. Uh, they celebrated this milestone and she was happy and healthy and every, all the readings were good. Like everything mm-hmm. seemed to be going great. Um, Sid's risk becomes like almost like very minuscule after one year. So they mm-hmm. were very excited about that. And it, they stopped using the sleep monis- monitor December of 98. So it would have been, she was just, I want to say, just over a year, I think, like a few mm-hmm. months over a year, 14 months or so. Kathy had returned to the cycle of going out all the time. So as soon as Craig would get home from work, she'd leave. Mm-hmm. And um, it, she just seemed like she was on edge a lot, mm-hmm. Craig said. She bipolar. That's, see, I don't know if she's bipolar or if she has like um, borderline personality because she has such a quick switch. Well, it just seems to me that she goes from manic, which is the partying and blah, 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 to depression, which is the, you know, the, the writing in her journal and the Mm -hmm. dark thoughts and all that stuff. But it just seems like there's, there's a bit of a, and then it'll, it'll, that'll intensify with postpartum. So it just feels like there's a bit of a, has some sort of um, mental instability, like there's something that's not quite right but she was never um diagnosed with anything like even when she was incarcerated because we'll get there but Mm -hmm. um so I'm not sure it just seems like there's a pattern of manic behavior but right so uh like I said Craig is one of those guys that is just like so deep in love will do Mm -hmm. anything to keep her happy and whatever it seems like so no matter how she treated him and what they like went through he always tried to support her and make her feel like, no, it's okay. It's all right. You know, mm-hmm. it'll be all right. I'll take the baby and calm her down. You go lay down like when mm-hmm. she gets mad and whatever. So when Laura was 19 months old, Kathy was home with her and Laura was doing the usual toddler thing, following her around mama, 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 mama. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Kathy said she lost her temper and screamed at her and knocked her over <laughs> Um, and Kathy claims, but she claims this was an accident. She wasn't trying to knock her over. She just turned around to turned around abruptly or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's just, it's, you know, it's some of those things though, that I'm like, it's just too many things Yeah. to look at and go, oh yeah, it just, it just happened. Mm-hmm. Oh, it just, you know, whatever. But there was also no sign when they would like go into the doctor and stuff of any sort of abuse physically or anything. So it may be that it's just these things show up because all the other stuff had happened. Like you notice them because the Mm -hmm. babies ended up passing away. Uh, Then on March 1st of 1999, Kathy woke Laura to eat breakfast with Craig. Um, This was their normal routine. Again, with Laura, they did the same thing where he, Mm -hmm. everybody would get up, have breakfast together before he went to work. Uh, Laura refused to eat that morning and Kathy screamed at Laura in the face right in front of Craig and so he took the baby 
told her to go calm down, calmed the baby down himself. And then he said, by the time he left work, everybody was calm and seemed to be fine. Laura was eating now. Mm -hmm. It was clearly like the baby's feet off of that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Someone was tightly wound. So the baby noticed it and kind of got frustrated too. Mm -hmm. At 9 a.m. Well, and at that age, they, at that age, they can't, they're still, they're learning their emotions. So they can't, you know, you don't, they can't say no something's bothering them they scream or you know I don't want that they scream or you know (laughs) Mm -hmm. so it it was just a little bit of a blow-up but Craig said by the time he left for work everybody seemed happy and calm Mm -hmm. at 9 a.m Kathy went to the gym and brought Laura with her uh, and left her at the child care area in the gym then they stopped and said hello to Craig at work on the way home so uh, clearly, I think at this point, Craig got a different job that was a little mm-hmm. bit closer. Um, and uh, Kathy brought Laura home for a nap because it was right around lunchtime. They would eat and go down for a nap. Craig was on the phone at work for 30 minutes, he said, right after the two had left his office. And a coworker came running into his office and told him that he had to go to the hospital. So Craig did. He got up and he left. Like there mm-hmm. was no hesitating. Um, by the time he got to the hospital, Laura had died. I'm sorry, what? Yeah. So Kathy said that Laura fell asleep in the car seat on the way home. And when they got home, she put her in her crib, brought the baby baby monitor out with her to let the dog out and hang up some laundry outside. Then she said she heard a strange like coughing noise from the monitor, but didn't think much of it because it could have been just shifting of Mm -hmm. her rolling over or whatever. And then after she finished hanging up the laundry or doing whatever she was doing, she went inside to check on her and Laura was blue and not breathing. Uh, Craig said, or she called the ambulance and that was pretty much it. Laura had passed away by the time the ambulance was there. Mm. So what happened? She was like 19, 18, 19 months, right? Mm -hmm. Um, They both were a mess afterwards in the hospital. It's like everybody wrote down how they both were a hot mess, could not calm them down. But when they got home, Craig started noticing some things that did not line up with what Kathy was saying. Okay. For example, Laura's sandals were on the futon in the living room and not outside of Laura's bedroom like Kathy had specifically said in her story that she had gotten her home she had fallen asleep so she just took her sandals off and set them outside of the room when she left her in the room but it's on the futon instead I mean that's just been an easy like I didn't think about where I put them I just set Mm -hmm. them down and went on with my business but it's one of those things that he's like okay that's not the same because he's also thinking about the last time when right if this was a if this was the first occurrence, it would be, Mm -hmm. well, she obviously was distraught and just didn't get the, the, get everything right. But now Mm -hmm. that it's the fourth time, it's everything is suspect. Everything is noticeable. And all of these happened when she was with the babies by herself. Right. Which is one of the like famous lines from the nineties with SIDS was um, one SIDS death in a family is a tragedy. Two is something else and then it said any more than that is murder Mm -hmm. because that's it's just unheard of but then that also science has 
developed and has changed. Right. So um, anyway, so she had said that that was different. And the monitor that Kathy said she had brought outside was still sitting on the charger in the exact same position that he had plugged it in there the morning that he left in the morning when he left. So he's like, I specifically plugged that in before I went to work and it has not moved. It's the same direction, same, just mm-hmm. sitting there. So did you really unplug it and bring it outside at all? Because I got called 30 minutes after you left. Mm-hmm. So it was barely enough time for anything else to happen. Just a lot of little small things that he was like, is not the same as what she would have her story claims. Right. An autopsy was performed on Laura and it was found that she had like bits of white blood cells in her heart. So she had uh, myocarditis, which is um, basically a possibly the cause of death. Mm-hmm. They say that it is unlikely it's a very small percentage but it could have caused mm-hmm. death at 18 19 months that makes more sense than SIDS if homicidal acts have been committed hold on who's saying this why did I quote it and it doesn't have a name by it oh it's probably the medical examiner that's probably why I was like wait a second there's quotes and I don't see any names mm-hmm. yep the medical medical examiner said if homicidal acts have been committed it is most likely that these acts have been delivered in the form of deliberate smothering as there are no specific post post-mortem signs for s- smothering so it most okay. likely was a smothering either way um even though he found the white blood cells he said it doesn't seem like there's enough for it to be a problem but this was something i found um mm-hmm. he marked the death as undetermined because when you look at the fact that there's been three other babies, he didn't want to close, open and close the case so that the police didn't look into it any further. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kathy was also getting rid of any trace of the baby being there at all. All of a sudden, it was like getting rid of baby toys, putting down photos. Like, that's weird. Yeah. That's weird. Yeah. That's, that's suspicious. That's suspicious. That's, that's weird. weird. <laughs> uh, Craig was officially suspicious of Kathy. Like he officially don't was like, don't be suspicious. Don't be suspicious. <laughs> <laughs> His grieving was hard again, as one would think, and he said he just didn't have the mental capacity to argue about it this time until he was a little more mentally mm-hmm. stable himself. But Detective Bernie Ryan, who was assigned the case, because you have to look into it, the police officers always make a file over deaths or whatever, especially when they're like unknown circumstances Mm -hmm. um bernie ryan was super suspicious as well okay uh he was assigned the case and instantly was concerned with the number of sids cases in the family he interviewed kathy as soon as he could she told him the same story the medical examiner had also called detective ryan and said that four dead oh this is one of them four dead kids in a family in australia is pretty uncommon like the Mm -hmm. medical examiner went out of his way to call him he called him before detective ryan called the medical examiner uh detective ryan had a couple of toddlers himself so he was super invested he was like i can't even imagine Mm -hmm. i can't imagine my kid just dying out of nowhere yeah After getting his interviews done, he sent out a team to photograph the house and they noticed the same things that Craig did where it wasn't lining up with her story she gave multiple times now. Mm -hmm. Um, 
that things did not quite line up. Nothing was concrete though. Uh, Kathy didn't seem upset at first, uh, did seem upset at first, but even Leah, her foster sister, so the 15 year old that lived with her when she was adopted, mm-hmm. uh, for emotional support, she like called her and was like, hey, I, you know, I just really need you. After the funeral, the same day as the funeral, let's just keep that in mind. Kathy said something that really bothered Leah that stuck with her and made her go, I don't think this was just a regular like accident Mm -hmm. that happened so this here's what Kathy said thank fuck that's over now I can move on with my life Mm. this is right after your almost two-year-old's funeral (sighs) I don't know I don't that just doesn't sit well no Leah also saw that Kathy really liked the attention she was getting from this. Mm. So maybe a little Munchausen by proxy. Uh, only days later, Kathy was carrying on like nothing happened, working, going to the gym, going out, drinking. Um, Craig was having, on the other hand, was devastated and was annoyed that Kathy would just take off. And Kathy told him, hey, you need to get over it or I'm done. And Craig after three weeks that he needed to, okay, let me rephrase this. I totally just like tried to say four sentences at once. Welcome to my brain. So after three weeks after Laura had died, Kathy said to Craig, stop moping or I'm, I'm leaving you. Um, She also refused to talk to him about anything that he had questions about any of the kids that would had died. He wanted to talk about them, just memories even. And she refused. Um, but everyone grieves differently. So with her traumatic childhood, I can't say that it's the wrong way for her to grieve. It just mm-hmm. wasn't the same way as Craig so, like grievance, it's grievance avoidance, um, okay. where you just shut it all off and I don't want to talk about it. It didn't happen. Mm-hmm. Craig still wanted to try to make things work with Kathy. I don't know why. I don't know that I, I could. Right. But, uh, so the two went on. A little trip to Kathy's sister Leah's house in Melbourne and took some time to just like have some time together do something um, but Craig was still really struggling with trying to move past his grief and after the trip the two officially broke up okay pretty much for good I mean mm-hmm. uh and this was only six weeks after Laura had passed away so month and a half after that they had broken up Kathy moved out told Craig that he was weighing her down and the investigation will be the third part. Okay. So she has moved out. Craig's by himself. He was weighing her down. Okay. And then we'll see where it goes from there. Detective Ryan's got, got some action happening in the last third and last part. I like this story. It's weird. It's weird. Cause then you're going to, it's an emotional roller coaster. Get ready for the third part because well, you may go, I don't know that I know anything. <laughs> well, I don't because I know I, there's stuff I know about SIDS that I'm like in my head. I'm not, I don't want to say because I don't want it to spoil anything just in case right. it comes out in the third one. So oh, but no, it has, it's, it's really just out of left field. Like it's not right. It's related really. But I feel like there's genetic conditions and stuff mm-hmm. that may not have been tested for. And there's other things that 
are known now that all of this could just be a fucked up coincidence. And I think the thing that gives me pause is those very like telling diary entries that aren't just I'm sad. This is terrible. Mm-hmm. You know, I feel like I failed as a mother. Da, 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 yeah. da. It's like, I learned from last time. But there's also postpartum is just so fucked up. It really is. The, you know, weird. it's wild is the, the emotions that, and the hormones that are caused during postpartum that can fuck someone's brain so poorly, you know, that almost those things need to, can sometimes almost be considered like discounted because you're so Mm -hmm. far down the rabbit hole that just because you wrote it down, that might have been your way of making sure it didn't happen is writing it down on paper. But then at the same time it did happen. So then you, and you wrote it down on paper. So like, what does that mean? You know, I get it. So like a, we will discuss those ins and outs of all that stuff next time. Okay. Because there's all sorts of things that come with it. And your poor brain is going to be like, oh, I'm so mad. Oh, but also now I'm mad for a different reason and I'm sad. Yeah. So and be ready. I'm ready. All right. Ready. Well, guys. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. <laughs> I got it. I stole it from you. <laughs> I saw you forming it. I'm like, I'm stealing it. Thanks for listening. And then my brain was like, I don't know what else to say because (laughs) that's what the next line was. So bye guys. I mean, oh oh yeah. And spread yourselves. Can't forget that. All over town. All jiggle, jiggle. Jiggle, jiggle, my wiggle, wiggle. Okay. Bye. Yeah, you are. (laughs) Whoa. (laughs) Watch yourself. Watch yourself, big girl. (laughs)